I think everybody in the world has a passion and, and passion, you know, could be teaching or farming or playing the violin or making money and making money was my passion. And it's something that I fortunately noticed at a young age. And I think it was something that could be mine. So all my siblings were very athletic and they enjoyed sports and I really didn't get into it. I just didn't. And this was some, so I could have obviously tried sports, but not have been as good as them because I wasn't natural at it. Or I could have went and did something that was mine. What a year 2020 was. 2021 is here and I hope you're hitting the ground running. I know we are here at Dwelling. We've just got a deal on the contract. We're going to be closing on soon. For those that have joined us on that deal, um, you know what I'm talking about. If you are saying, what am I talking about? Then you need to take your investing game to the next level in this year. So make sure you join the Dwelling deal list, an exclusive deal list. Um, Not only do you get access to our deals, quickly but you also get tips and tricks about you know how you can take your your investing game to the next level this year so if you are not on the dwelling deal list click on the link in the show notes or just go to dwelling.com that's d-w-e-l-l-y-n-n.com or just go to investwithola.com and just sign up sign up sign up sign up Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got an incredible guest with us today. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Your story is fascinating. Cannot wait to get into it. As a matter of fact, we should get into it. Um, so for our <laughs> listeners, um, we've never obviously heard about you. Can you tell us about a little bit about who you are, what you do, and kind of what you've been up to lately? Yeah, of course. So Andrew Abernathy, um, started investing at, at 13, uh, started Abernathy Holdings with $4,000 from running grain cart on our family farm in North Dakota. And then today I'm 27 and we have well over hundred million in assets um, uh, under management. And we focus on class A self-storage development in major cities across the USA. I love that elevator pitch. Um, you you, I mean, I'm sold. Um, where should yeah. I keep? I want to send you my money too. <laughs> <laughs> where do I send you my? Where do I send the money to? Yeah, you? that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like it, shut us and succinct. But of course, I want to kind of um, wrap you know, unwrap that a little bit more. So you were 13. Kind of walk me through what you were yep. doing. There. You, you mentioned your family farm. Kind of talk me through what you were doing when you were 13. Yeah, of course. So started uh, helping on the farm when I was 10 years old. Um, got five bucks an hour for just like I think my other six siblings did, um, running grain cart combine. And, um, I was really interested in money and financing and in the grain market from 10 to 14. And at 14 years old, I had 6,000 saved up and I spent 2000 on a new red go-kart. I mean, can you blame me? You know, I was pretty young, but the other 4,000 I started Abernathy holdings with. And, you know, when I started out, I was trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to be when I grew up. And um, the market was crashing around us, you know, and in March of 2009, the the market crashed. It was bottomed, actually. I think it was bottomed by March 25th or March 5th was the bottom in 09. And I started investing in March of March 23rd, my birthday in 09. And I bought Ford at 99 cents, Bank of America at $3, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac at 30 cents, you know, pretty dumb luck at the time, right? I mean, I was pretty young. And I was fortunate um, from 14. So, 
you know, in eighth, ninth grade to 10th grade, I turned the 4,000 to $80,000 and when the market recovered and parallel to that in 2010, um, I opened a little clothing line. I mean, I was selling t-shirts at school. I was doing anything to make a little money. And my brother and I also parallel took um, over my grandpa's farmland and started farming. And we were taking my dad's equipment to South Dakota and doing some custom combining. I mean, I was just a serial entrepreneur and I loved it. Um, so in, in, when I cashed out the $80,000 when I was in 10th grade in 2010 in high school, um, I thought, you know, I really want to get into real estate. And um, I noticed the oil boom was kind of heating up again in North Dakota, kind of like it did in the 80s. And I noticed that Williston and Minot um, both had markets that were pretty inflated. But Bismarck, the state capital, was kind of hanging out like nothing was going on. I'm like, gosh, that's weird. You know, Bismarck's very close to the boom. So I took my $80,000 in 10th grade and I went to my buddy's daddy. He's a banker in a very small town of 800. I'm like, hey, I need a $1.25 million loan. Here's 80 grand. <laughs> and uh, he, he said, you know, we can, uh, we can do that, but you're going to need another $300,000 down on top of the 80. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I went and printed off Warren Buffett's original 1956 operating agreement and I whited out the names and I drove around to a couple of farmers and I'm like, hey, I'll put in 80,000, you both put in 150 and give me your balance sheets. I'll work for free. And if I fail, you guys can have my 80. If there's any drop, you guys can have my 80. So pretty low risk for them. I was just trying to build a track record. So they gave me the money, went back to the banker the next day and I got the 1.25 loan. And the oil boom did hit and we 1.25 million. Yep. That's what we bought those for. I was in 10th grade in high school. Yep. Jeez. And uh, oil boom hit. We sold them to the city of Bismarck uh, my senior year of high school in 2012 for 2 million. And we netted a million after paying the bank off. And that was, that was how, Aber how Abernathy Holdings started. That, and my brother and I were still farming and we had, and we had Abernathy Holdings that now had a million in it of which about 300 was mine. Um, do you have any questions so far? I mean, I'm, really I'm sorry. Now. I was just trying to like get up from, I fell off my chair. So I was trying to get up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this was in 10th grade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there is a lot going on. Um, yeah. I almost don't want to talk about the real estate, honestly, frankly, because there's so much going on in here. Let me ask you this. Why do yeah. you think you just had this knack for business? I mean, you mentioned when you, when, when you were 14, you just wanted to, you know, do something, you know, you were trying to figure yourself out, but then obviously you actually did something and then you started yeah. making money, real money. Why? Why do you think you were just like this? Especially at such a young age, I'm just fascinated. Yeah, I think everybody in the world has a passion and, and passion, you know, it could be teaching or farming or playing the violin or making money and making money was my passion. And it's something that I fortunately noticed at a young age. And I think it was something that could be mine. So all my siblings were very athletic and they enjoyed sports and I really didn't get into it. I just didn't. And it, this was some, so I could have obviously tried sports, but not have been as good as them because I wasn't natural at it. Or I could have went and did something that was mine, all mine. And, and I did. And this is something I had a knack for. I loved doing it. And it was something that I could own and be, it could be mine. Um, cause you know, growing up in a, in a party of six, um, kids, you, you kind of look to be 
you don't, you want to be different somehow, right? Every little kid wants to be. So this was my thing. Yeah. Um, do you know a guy called Dan Pena by any chance? I've heard of him. I don't know. He's like, is there, I think, I don't know what his brand is today, but I think his main brand is like trillion, trillion million, trillion dollar man. I think he basically oh, buys. Yeah. No, I've, I've watched him on. Yeah. Some social yeah, media. Yeah. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah. You remind me a little bit of him. Cause like he was like doing crazy stuff for like 25 buying oil companies in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and just flipping them. And yeah. And that's fascinating. So I'm paying attention because you were doing relatively well at such a young age, but now you're into real estate. So maybe walk us through, even though I want to talk to you about all these other businesses or these things you did, but you know, it's a real estate show. Um, Why did you move into real estate and why self-storage? Why not like what I'm doing, like apartments? Don't you want to be the next Grand Cardone? Yeah. Good question. So we've been a real, so the farm started in early, mid 1900s. So our family's always been in real estate. It's just always been farmland. That's all we ever did. So real estate's kind of in my blood. I understand it. Um, now, obviously, we never did anything else other than farmland, but still, it's real estate. Um, I, after the apartments were done, I did some single family homes. I went and bought a 100-unit HUD um, apartment building. I bought some retail. But I ended up selling all of it because a billionaire mentor of mine said, Andrew, you know, I, I, I made a big mistake because again, I have some successes, but I did have a loss. I lost 3 million on a deal in 2017, which is about 15% of the portfolio at the time. Because after high school, when I was 19, I went and raised $15 million when I was 19. And then um, from, from 20 to now, 27, I've raised 100 million for Abernathy Holdings. Um, and I, I still have control. I kept effective control still. Um, but we've done, you know, all these things. I don't need to get into detail, but we've everything real estate wise, we've been, we've always made hundred percent return in 15 to 16 months every time. Obviously that's not something that can last, but real estate was always a niche. And then that one company I lost a 3 million. And I think I was trying to do something. I don't know. I was too wide. So that's when the billionaire mentor of mine in 2017 said, Andrew, you know, you're good at a lot of things, but you're not great at anything. And that hurt. But it was true. It was true. And I needed to hear that. So he made his wealth off. He built 250 Marriott hotels from scratch, from nothing in the 80s and sold it to Goldman Sachs for $2 billion. That's all he did was he built hotels and he focused. So he told me, he said, Andrew, there's not, everybody's out there searching for the idea, right? Waiting for the sun to be right. Waiting for this idea to fall in their lap. He said, there isn't the idea. There's multiple ideas. You need to pick one and make it yours and focus on it. So after hearing that, and at this time, I had operating companies, a HUD building, a retail space, some single family. There was no rhyme or reason to my portfolio. There was no vertical integration at all. So I'm like, okay, well, I went and I said, well, I want to do real estate. It's in my blood and I've done well with it. And the mistakes I've made are in operating companies. And the first thing to do is understand who you are. So I said, okay, so I had it down. I had it narrowed down because I had to pick an asset class in real estate. So I had it narrowed down to assisted living and self-storage. Those are the, I had it down to those two things. And I like assisted living for obvious reasons, aging population. And I like self-storage because it's a very fragmented industry and it, and it, and someone needs to come in and tame the beast. It's 95% ma and pa still kind of like hotels were in the eighties. So I love fragmented industries because it takes someone to come with a lot of capital that can, you know, again, harness it and consolidate it. Um, being a simple farm boy, because there's no right or wrong answer here. It's just about picking one. There's a lot of cats. Apartments are great. Everything's great. 
Cardone, for example, his is apartments. That's his thing. And that's great. So I had these two things and I said, well, I'm a simple farm boy. Employees kind of make my eyes roll back. Um, so storage it is, you know, one person per $20 million asset, sign me up. One toilet per 100,000 square foot building, sign me up. Uh, so I sold everything except for our vertical companies. We have a municipal equipment dealership. We bought in 15. So I kept that. And then we started a garage door dealership and we started a construction company. So these facilities cost about um, 13 million to build each one. And right now we're averaging a few a year and we have the financing in place to do 12 a year um, in the next three years. Every year do 12, one a month, new one, $13 million property. So our competitors pay 13, that's retail. But by us owning the construction company, owning the garage door dealership, owning the equipment dealership, we build them for about 12, 11 and a half to 12 million. So before the doors open, I make one and a half million dollars net profit per facility. And then we still own the building on the other side. So that is our key. So if we're doing 12 a year, you know, we're already making 14, 15 million a year before the doors open net on our operating companies and our so operating that, companies so, just do. So, so the acquisition of the, of the garage company, um, garage door company is, was a kind of a strategic one. Cause you kind of knew that would fit into your vertical integration model, basically. Correct. Anything that we can, and every business that we own only it, it literally, we buy 12,000 garage doors a year, just on our own, our in-house projects. So that garage door company doesn't even do work outside of our own. So we don't need salesmen. We don't need an overhead. Our, our, our profits, it's all profit. We drop ship and we're just a dealer. Same with our equipment, same with our general contracting company. The company does, you know, we're coming up on 180 million a year in construction on our own projects. So our construction company just works for our in-house. So we don't need salesmen. We don't need outside people. We just build our own projects and we're saving, we're making 15 million net a year just in our vertical play and we own the product. Fascinating. Um, I, yeah, I think this is probably the first time I've heard, I've heard this. Well, I'm not really into the self-storage space, but this is quite yep. fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like kind of your mentor said, you you were, you were good at a lot of things, but you were not like niching in, focusing. So now you are. Um, so yep. before I kind of go to what is the future for you, I kind of want to talk about a deal that you've done recently. Or actually, yep. any deal that you've done, um, maybe not not the ones you've mentioned already, but that that you consider one of your best deals doesn't have to mean the one you made the most money. Just you really liked yep. it for whatever reason. So maybe just give us kind of the breakdown of that. Just kind of curious. I, the the most recent self storage, and we do a lot of them, but the most recent there's two stories, I guess. But the most recent one we did, we bought the site in 19, 2019. It's on the corner of um, Higley Road in the in the in the uh, 202 in Arizona, in Gilbert, Arizona. And we bought the lot right before, you know, things got crazy. I mean, we only bought, the lot was like 1.1 million and it's right on the interstate, gorgeous site. And we started construction on it, started building a self-storage facility and we're gonna have about 12.5 million into it. And I, I don't even have the doors open and I've had offers for 16 and a half million dollars. So our, our, our 4 million down cash, cause the rest is debt, would be worth nine million net of broker fees, mortgages, closing costs, and about. Tell me, tell me you months. took the offer. Tell me you took the offer. Now we didn't take it because. Oh man. <laughs> we've got we've got a pile of three hundred million, and I don't want to add to it right now. I mean, <laughs> if I sell it, it's going to go on this pile, and I'm not going to get to it till 2026. 
Um, and it would have been short-term income. If we could, if, once it's 12 years in, or 12 months in service, I'll, I'll go back to the buyer and see if they want to buy it still. Because then we can 1031 in the dirt. If I sell it one day into service, I'm paying, I'm paying ordinary income on it, tax. And it just, I don't know. If I, it just didn't, didn't make sense. I was going to sell it if it wasn't for this money we have to put to work still. But so we've so, got, you know, five or six other sites in contract right now. And we're just kind of doing the same ahead here. Yeah. So, so now you're kind of following what your mentor said, like you're trying to perhaps maybe replicate what it did, build your Marriott hotels for years, maybe, uh, you know, exit to, you know, to a Blackstone or wherever in the future, make a billion dollars. You know, I don't want to put a number to it, five billion, whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, what we'll a billion for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, so you, you're doing that right now. So, I mean, it's kind of a stupid question, but I would ask it, what is the future for, for Andrew? What are you trying to achieve here? Yeah. So I want to stay focused. I want to be the best at something and that's going to be self-storage. Um, I think the next 50, 60 years is going to be interesting in storage because storage isn't just about getting someone to store their couch and kayak there. Amazon vendors are a huge client of ours. Self-storage is kind of like the new mall. Um, you walk up and down our hallways, there's people in there filling their boxes of stuff they're selling on Amazon. And we do things unique. I, I saw so many people in their storage units, boxing up stuff in other people's facilities, boxing things up, like they're selling something on Amazon. Then they haul all these boxes out to their car to go to a FedEx to ship them out. So what we do is we put Amazon lockers and shipping centers inside of our facilities in the lobby. So we're kind of our own little ecosystem. So we cater towards Amazon vendors, um, and obviously we still have the mom paws coming in and putting their couches and off season items in. Um, but we build in very dense areas. We need a hundred thousand people in a three mile radius. We need a hundred thousand household income in a three mile radius. We need to be on and visible the main thoroughfare. We need to get a buck 70 a foot in rent and or more. We don't like a bunch of empty land around us. Right? So we have criteria. And then I don't want to bore you too much because I'm a nerd, but no, bore 60... me, please. I'm a nerd too. So let's go. <laughs> 68% of storage is leased by the woman in the household. 85% of storage is leased from drive-bys. 65% of women um, sh um, shop for grocery. So that's why we like to build by stores because that the women are our client. That's who we need. We want the women, we need to get their attention because they go and sign and be like, hey, get that crap out of the garage this weekend. <laughs> and 72% um, of women pick up kids from school. So again, we build by schools, grocery stores, gyms, um, we cater to that. And then obviously the Amazon vendors, which I think will continue to be a thing. It's not, I even mean, that is here. like remarkable. I, when you said that just the light bulb went off Click. in my head. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Like, yeah, that makes yep. total sense actually. Wow. Fascinating. Well, I, I could keep talking to you and, and going on and on, <laughs> on, but we're definitely, definitely dwelling into quick rounds. These are going to yep. be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? I think I am. First question, what makes you, Andrew, unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Honest, integrity, cheerful, and focused. Love it. Second question, what was the last book that you read? What was the one thing that you picked out from that book? I just got down with John D. Rockefeller's 38 letters to his son, John. And I liked how he looked at the world simply um strategically and he was okay with waiting and having patience i almost definitely have to get that um yeah <laughs> final question you're busy um building your empire what do you do for fun 
I like golfing and hanging. I have three boys under four years old and a beautiful wife. Oh. And so I hang out with them a lot and I try to get out golfing, but you know, three kids under four, I mean, my goodness, right? I mean, yeah. it's tough to not it's, do, you know, they're pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I've, I've got two under four, well, one is four, but yeah, I, I can kind of relate. Um, <laughs> if there's somebody listening and going, wow, I really like this Andrew guy. I want to get connected with Andrew. What's the best way people can reach out, get to know you more? Yeah, well, I'm easy to get hold of. Um, AndrewAbernathy.com is my personal site with email and a phone number. And then AbernathyHoldingCo.com is a company site, which we're redoing right now. It's a pretty bad old site, but it, contact info is on it. So. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate your time, Andrew. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders who share their best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com that's bestevershow.com